Hello, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. And we hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. And if you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Good morning. I'm Pastor Grace, and I'm going to be filling in for Andy while he's away on the second Sunday of Advent. Sorry, I just realized my mask is on. It's kind of... So I've been preparing for the second Sunday of Advent thinking, oh my gosh, is it really the second Sunday of Advent? Um, But it is December, so it is coming, even though it feels like March. Um, There's some time trickery going on. Because yesterday it was March, and now it's 20 days till Christmas. Um, and this year, I'm get, it's a secret, I'm giving Rose a toy barn, okay? And um, I'm going to be, it needs a lot of work. I found it on Marketplace, and it's old. And the guy I got it from cried, and then I cried. But I'm going to paint it, and I need to re-roof it. And I need to, like, do the interior and whittle some hay bales, um, you know, and build a ladder like all these things, and it kind of, I want to build a well also for the animals to have water. Um, So these are normal, not crazy things, right? Um, Anyway, and so I have to like still pick a paint color, like should I I paint it black? And then I'm also going to do a dollhouse for her, for her birthday, because the insanity continues. I'm like, should it match? And I haven't planned that, so there's still a lot to do. So hopefully I can finish that in time because Christmas is sneaking up. It's like 20 days away, even though like I'm putting all this planning in it and she'll probably break it in five minutes, but I try not to think about that. Um, So maybe you are not doing any ridiculous whittling for Christmas, but we all have our unique lists and uh, oddities that we are concerned about as uh, Christmas approaches, but let's try to put all of that aside while we hear the word of God and our Advent scriptures for the day. And today, we are going to look at uh, the story of Zechariah, which always strikes me with a little bit of humor, some sadness, and then also like some drama and amazement. So I'll try to summarize what leads us up to that song. Um, So on a normal day, during normal priestly duties, Zechariah went into the temple to offer incense while everyone else continued praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, which freaked him out, which seems reasonable. And so the common response is fear. And so as they do, the angel says, do not be afraid, which seems to have worked because he's no longer afraid. And the angel announces that Elizabeth will uh, have a son who is to be named John, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born and will make ready a people for the Lord. But Zechariah questions the angel and consequently is unable to speak for nine months. Sounds fun, huh? So imagine him exiting the temple and trying to explain to the worshipers and then to Elizabeth that an angel of the Lord appeared to him. His wife is pregnant and she's pregnant with the one who is coming to prepare the way for the Lord. So kind of like, You know, like some interesting miming. Probably everyone was like, this isn't making sense, Zechariah. 
It's a tricky situation and probably complicated when it comes for baby planning because they didn't have any other children. Like they didn't have a crib already. Um, And so nine months later, uh, this baby is born. And on the eighth day at the circumcision, Elizabeth said the baby would be named John, which kind of threw everybody off because usually the babies take the dad's name. So it should have been Zechariah. But um, then Zechariah confirmed it through writing, because he was still silent, and uh, that the baby was to be named John. And suddenly, his speech returned. It was a miracle. The neighbors were amazed, and they wondered, wow, what will this kid be? Um, And Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So here we come to our scripture, Luke Chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown mercy the mercy promised to our ancestors, and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Advent is a season of waiting and anticipation, and we honor the wait for the promised Messiah, which generations and generations and generations of people experienced. So this might ring a bell because I think Pastor Andy talked about it last week. I was in E-Kids in the nursery with some really adorable children, uh, so I didn't get to hear that. But um, in our own way, we are trying to prepare our hearts for receiving the Messiah, even though we know he's already come. So we mark the time in fun ways like chocolate advent calendars, delicious, and decorating And then in more serious ways, like candle liturgies, fasting, or maybe outreach. Can you try to imagine just waiting for the promised Messiah before the actual birth happened? After waiting for generations and generations, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting, and anticipating the coming of the Messiah. Through wars, oppression, famine living in strange lands, and many other hardships. The people waited. Sometimes their world was literally crumbling around them while they tried to maintain their hope in God's promise and also pass that hope on to the next generation. And sometimes they just waited in silence. At the time of Zechariah, many believed God had been silent for a very long time, like hundreds of years. For Zechariah to have been physically silenced as he awaited the birth of his son, who would prepare the way for the Messiah, 
Must have been a pretty intense experience. His body was manifesting this silence from God that the whole community was experiencing. And while everyone continued to hold out hope for the Messiah, Zechariah was probably bursting at the seams, uh, trying, uh, just waiting for his child to be born to prepare the way for this Messiah. Now, it's hard to wait for a normal child to be born. Uh, Rose and Lyndon were both late, and every minute beyond the due date feels like, you know, torture <laughs> is one way to describe it. So, uh, but then when you know, you have the add-on of this extra information, like you know this child is going to prepare the way for the Lord. Like I can't imagine uh, what that was like. Um, it feels a little bit overwhelming to be in Zechariah's shoes. Um, Zechariah, he has known a lot of darkness and pain. Uh, and he even thought it was like too good to be true when the angel appeared to him to tell him, like question the angel. And after waiting his whole life and continuing that wait that has lasted for generations and generations and generations, it was finally coming to an end. Now maybe you can relate uh, to Zechariah to a degree. Uh, have you ever been waiting for God to do something, uh, like an answer to prayer, or waiting for a rescue from a difficult situation? Um, you know, like a pandemic. Uh, waiting for justice for some of the horrible atrocities that are happening in the world and even down the street. Waiting for something or anything to assure you that God is there with you, the silence can seem deafening. And that doesn't make sense, but it also makes sense when you've been there and felt that silence. For Zechariah and the people of his time, that silence was coming to an end. God was doing a new thing. So I can understand why the first thing he does is burst into song. Like finally, right? All of this stuff is coming. Zechariah has known a lot of pain, and the silence had become very personal and physical for him. But through that, he still held a deep trust in God, and we can see that in the hope in his song. And now, after waiting and waiting and more waiting, what God's people had been promised was happening. The coming of the Messiah was interrupting the silence. For generations, God's people had been kind of like a punching bag for all the dominating powers of their times. And now the Messiah was coming to deliver them. But as we read Zechariah's prophecy, we can tell that it's not just a political rescue from their latest oppressor, but also deliverance from sin and death and the forgiveness of sin. A whole new life is being opened up Death and sin will be no more. Now I'm going to read from Luke 3, 1 through 6. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the screen, so you can just listen along. Um, in the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanthus, ruler of Abilene, during the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. 
He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So now I took Hebrew in college, not Greek, so I just made up the pronunciation for half of those names. But <laughs> it's important not to skip over them uh, because it seems tedious to read, but when we actually dig into those names, we uncover important context. It reminds us of all the oppression and suffering that the people have endured. Emperor Tiberius, ruthless, and in some parts of the empire, worshipped as a god, and he had been doing that for about 15 years so far. Um, Herod and Philip, the kids of Herod the Great, uh, ruled with fear and oppression, and unfortunately the high priests were no better. And scholars are not sure who Lysanias is, but he is not listed in good company, so let's make the assumption that he was not a compassionate guy. Um, so despite the constant trampling that they endured and the failed resistance mo movements that had already been tried against these rulers, the Jews stood by their belief that one day they would hear from God again, that the silence would end, God would act, and the promised Messiah would come. They knew that one day they would be delivered, just like they had been delivered from enslavement in Egypt. After we read this list of powerful, powerful people, we find that the word of the Lord came to John in the wilderness, not to someone in power or to somebody with influence, not to somebody with a beautiful home or fancy clothes. John was basically a nobody. He didn't have political power or influence. He didn't have incredible wealth or a home. He lived in the wilderness. He ate bugs and he wore camel's hair. Uh, he wasn't who you might expect to prepare the way for the Lord. But the people were like so ready for uh, God doing something new that they were listening and they were ready to hear what he had to say about the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. So John was calling all who would listen to truly face themselves, to turn away from their sin and to walk in the ways of God. To be baptized when not, was not just like a check uh, to mark off, to prepare for the Messiah to come, to get a pat on the back. Uh, Jesus was coming to deliver them and to make everything new. This was not a show, but a searching of the heart and a life commitment. Uh, John was calling the people to prepare through repentance, and to serve God without fear, to serve God in holiness and righteousness. So now I'm reminded of a scene from the show The Vicar of Dibley, um, which is a BBC show from the 90s. Um, it's a pretty niche. Uh, anyway, so Geraldine, who is the vicar, um, has a visit from a village member, Alice, who is not the brightest uh, village member. And Alice mentions how in Geraldine's last newsletter, 
uh, she had mentioned that Jesus was coming back. And um, she was wondering when Jesus was coming back because the vicar hadn't mentioned any dates. And <laughs> so the vicar told, and her mom wanted to tidy the house. Okay, that's why she needed a date. And uh, Geraldine tells Alice that Jesus will just show up. We don't know when. And Alice responds, looking offended. Well, that's a bit rude. What if I'm on the toilet or something? And Geraldine assures her it won't feel rude. It will feel lovely, which I feel like is a very British way to describe it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I bring that up as an example of how not to prepare. We don't need to tidy the house. We don't need to check off and make sure we've been baptized by John the Baptist in the presence of so many important people. <sighs> Preparing for the Lord is not a show, but turning from sin and walking in the ways of God. To prepare is to turn to God and walk in his ways, serving in holiness and righteousness. So this Sunday of Advent, the song of Zechariah and the life of John remind us that while we wait for the message of the birth of Christ, and while we wait for the return of Christ, we are to prepare. We follow in the ways of God. So remember that line at the end of Zechariah's song, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. God's mercy is like the rising sun, the first light breaking into the darkness. Death and sin and chaos seem to dominate, but God brings healing and restoration and peace. And the last line says, guide our feet into the way of peace. We serve God by bringing his peace to a world in pain, a world ravaged by war and violence, a world consumed by hate, and we bring peace and wholeness to a broken, broken world. Preparing for the return of Christ looks like partnering with the work of God here and now. Preparing is not simply an internal, private thing, but a continual communal work. How will you commit to walking in the ways of God's peace? So we may not know what it was like for Zechariah and his contemporaries and all of their ancestors to wait for that first arrival of the Messiah. We will never understand their pain or their suffering or the difficulty to maintain their hope in God and his promise of deliverance. However, we do know what it's like to be waiting for God's promise to be fully realized. It's a big deal that Jesus came and defeated death, but we await his return to make all things new and to redeem everything. A dreamy thing to wait for while we are still experiencing pain and fear and oppression and all these other terrible things that happen in the world. But maybe we can find comfort and peace and knowing that even though God's people have faced horrible things and even uh, like a devastating silence from God, God breaks through the darkness like a sunrise. Like Zechariah and all who came before Christ, who waited for the coming of the Messiah, we await the return of the Messiah. We wait for the fullness of redemption 
the day when everything is made new and sin and death are no more, when the oppressed are free and the powerless are empowered. There will not be any more tears or pain. And as we wait, we prepare by serving God in holiness and righteousness and being guided in the way of peace.